0: ABC Listen, podcasts, radio, news, music, and more. As
1: Brahison taught it, we have identified incorrect or no tax filings, and we regret to inform you that your account has been marked delinquent. Calls from scammers are almost par for the course these days, particularly when you use a mobile phone. It's a pretty regular experience to hear something like this when you answer a call from an unknown number.
0: As
2: letters sent to your registered address have also returned unsigned.
1: This audio was part of a campaign by Consumer Victoria to make people more aware of scam calls. Today, we're going to head to Port Ferry on Victoria's far southwest coast to meet a man who quite unintentionally became a white knight for elderly people living locally who'd fallen victim to scam calls. I click on the address and if it comes up gobbledygook sort of thing and that or if it looks so
3: legit and I'm still nervous about it I forward it to Justin and say, is this dodgy or not? And he gets straight back to me. Yes, don't
1: open it, just delete. (laughs) I'm Sinead Mangan and this is Australia Wide, coming to you from Wajuk country, Perth. Before the pandemic, Chinese nationals spent more than $10 billion each year touring Australia. Then COVID-19 hit and that spend fell off a cliff. But things are starting to turn a corner. Last week, Australia recommenced the visa process for Chinese group travellers following an earlier decision by China to lift a ban on group tours to Australia. Earlier, I spoke to Associate Professor Monica Chen from the University of Queensland about what this might mean for regional areas. She believes the increase of inbound flights from China to Australia and the changes to visas will make big inroads in bringing Chinese tourists back to Australian shores.
4: The recovery um, has been bolstered by major airline, the, the major carriers in China, including China Southern Airlines and China Eastern. Both have boosted their flights and increased schedule to Australia. Notably, they have reintroduced non stop flights between Shanghai and Brisbane. So, this significantly enhanced services and capacity, benefiting not just the tourism sector, but as as I mentioned, you know, our export industries such as beef, seafood, vitamins, fresh produce, and also the education sector all benefited from this increased capacity.
1: That's a fair change. And there's also been other changes like these visa changes. How do you expect that dynamic to change the number of tourists coming
4: to Australia? Yep. Chinese tourists have always followed closely of their country's um, policy. And as we know, China's approved destination status scheme has reopened. This is a significant milestone achieved in August this year when China lifted its ban on group tours to Australia. This no doubt signaled the easing of pandemic-related travel restrictions in China. So Australia has been re-included in China's list of approved outgoing group travel um, destinations. This will hopefully further boost the arrival of Chinese tourists. At the same time, At our end, the Australian government has reciprocated by resuming the issuance of visas for Chinese group travellers. This decision will also facilitate the entry of Chinese tour groups into the country in an effort to restore tourist numbers to the pre-pandemic level. In terms of those big groups, where do they tend to go or where do they like to go, particularly their preferred spots in regional Australia? Um they the outside of the capital cities, of course the main draw cars are like Sydney, the Opera House, Melbourne and Brisbane. So outside of the capital cities, several key tourism destinations in Australia uh, continue to attract Chinese nationals because these destinations offer diverse experiences that cater to different preferences. Places that align with um the Chinese interests and priorities include um Great Barrier Reef because it's a world-renowned nature wonder and a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So Chinese tourists often visit uh, not just the Great Barrier Reef, but also the gateway cities of Canes and Port Douglas to explore the reef through activities like snorkeling, um, scuba diving, boat tours, etc., The Gold Coast continue to be um, a popular destination. Um, It's famous for its stunning beaches, thrilling theme parks, vibrant nightlife, a lot of entertainment choices. We also see um, some destinations that are on the top of my awareness among the Chinese tourist, ma- tourist markets and they're gaining popularity. Places like Uluru, which is an iconic natural landscape located in the heart of Australia, and many Chinese tourists would want to visit this area to witness the stunning Red Rock formation and gain insight into the Indigenous Australian culture and history. Places like Gentry Forest, uh, one of the oldest rainforests, mm. um, attracts Chinese tourist interest. Um, into who are interested in ecotourism, um, natural wonders, rainforest explorations, with Sundays, for example, also have been known for their pristine beach, um, and therefore offer a romantic gateway for, um, some of the Chinese adventure tourists. But most of the tourist spots mentioned
1: by Associate Professor Monica Chen are on the eastern seaboard. So I asked her about what about the rest of the country and how does WA, Tasmania, South Australia and the Northern Territory begin to attract Chinese tourists back, particularly through their marketing campaigns? She says influencers are all important, and a recent example of that was WA's Drive the Dream ad with Formula One driver Daniel Ricciardo. It was released last week, and the ad is going gangbusters on social media. Daniel Ricciardo is a local lad to WA, and in the ad, he and his mate Blake hit the road through the vast WA landscape on the ultimate boys' trip.
3: Let's go, big fella. Let's go mate. <laughs> How you going, boys? Good night mate. How are you? Daniel, nice to meet good you. Me. Casey. Same. Blake, nice Blake, to meet good you. to me, brother?
2: you, yeah. Today I'll introduce you to this place we call Goodenough. I like Calberry. Yeah, good spot. Great spot.
3: Yeah, I've seen so much of the world, but it's like, there's still so much of Western Australia and home that I haven't yet seen. That's what I'm really looking forward to most about this trip. How good this open road? Yeah. For me, the best part I get about this is freedom. Yeah, mate.
5: I can tell you what, this is a dream. Don't wake me up. So we say, see you tomorrow. We don't say
3: goodbye. Always next time.
1: Now, if you haven't seen the ad, it is stunning to look at and it really highlights the isolation of WA and how you can be out there on your own. Monica Chen says there is a particular Chinese tourist who yearns for these drive-the-dream type
4: experiences. Especially for the post-90s young and adventurous Chinese tourists they are seeking different experiences they want to travel to places that are less visited and so they can um, share this experience online via the social media uh, sorry the social networking website and share the photos, share the experiences with other king travelers or their friends and families and so Chinese tourists have become more and more interested in niche and distinctive destinations and the According to some of the online travel forums and travel websites, places like Brunei and Tunisia, Morocco and others are garnering interest. And we can see the reason because they are less visited. And so they appear to be more exotic. They appear to be different. And they um, uh, definitely div- they they, are, they diverge from people's um, ordinary experiences. The growth of a visit to these destinations has outpaced that of conventional tourist spots. The Middle East, the African markets have also garnered substantial attention as well among the Chinese markets, reflecting the evolving preferences and adventurous spirits of the modern Chinese tourists, especially those young ones.
1: So does that mean that Australia is in quite a competitive market then to capture
4: those young Chinese tourists who want that really different experience? Yes. So, um, while Australia's natural beauty and attractions align well with the Chinese traveler's preferences, it is important for us to note that competition among global destinations for Chinese tourists has increased. Um, tourists. As I mentioned, they're exploring a diverse range of destinations, including those in um, Africa, in Middle East, um, in Europe, and Southeast Asia. Travel to the neighboring Asian countries remain a preferred choice for Chinese tourists. So, Thailand, Japan, South Korea, Malaysia, and Singapore are expected to be the top destinations for Chinese nationals. Thailand, in particular, has been a has seen a surge of interest. Since they the country announced visa free policies. And so one of China's largest travel agencies Ctrip um their data show that Thailand related search have soared by about 800% and it is expected to become the first choice of many outbound travel
1: travelers. Associate Professor Monica Chen, who's an expert on marketing, psychology and tourism. So given her expertise, I thought I'd ask her how she thought a regional town with a great Insta presence could turn those photos into Chinese tourism dollars.
4: So regional destinations should offer immersive experiences that are related to, for example, food and wine, Mm. culture, adventure, Um, health-related activities, or even fashion um, to create an immersive experience for the Chinese tourist. And uh, one surprising trend is the role of events in promoting tourism. And this is gaining momentum in China. Events such as concerts, music festivals, marathons, etc., they play a crucial role in attracting Chinese tourists to certain destinations. Um, it is important to recognize the growing interest of young people um, in event-based tourism and they often enjoy traveling with performances and this is an emerging trend so it might be important for destinations to collaborate with event organizers to promote and host such events in their region this is the so-called stamped travel and it's a new way for chinese young people to check in during their travel and this certainly is a new form of tourism consumption. Associate Professor Monica Chen from the
1: University of Queensland speaking to me a little earlier.
5: You're listening to ABC Australia Wide.
1: Currently Australians are falling victim to scams more than ever before, a record $3.1 billion in 2022. Now, if you do get scammed or maybe you had a suspect caller asking for access to your bank accounts, Who would you call? What would you do? Well, one man in small Victorian town of Port Ferry, Justin Williams, has become an unintentional scam buster. Through his IT business, Mr Williams has helped about 60 local scam victims over the past few years, saving people thousands of dollars. Mr Williams says bank branch closures have worsened the situation and that banks could be doing more to protect their most vulnerable customers. Emily Bisland has this story from Port Ferry. Justin Williams runs a small IT help business in Port Ferry.
3: I had a lot of older people and, and it was when the s- smartphones were just starting to come in they'd call me up and you know They'd they'd have a computer and it didn't work or something like that. I'd go out and sort it out or get him a new one.
5: But in recent years, he's transformed from IT guy to scam buster.
3: I like that, scam busters. Yeah, scam busters.
5: These days, about 30% of Justin's client calls are from terrified clients, elderly people who think they've been hoodwinked and are standing to lose their entire life savings.
3: You know, all of a sudden, I'm getting all these calls about, you know, I think I've been scammed, my computer's got a virus, and people were targeting them.
5: Are you able to put a number on how many people you've worked with because they've been scammed or who you've helped while they're being scammed?
3: Uh, it would be at least, in in like Warrnambool Port Ferry area, it'd be at least 60 at the moment. So. Oh. It averages about one every two weeks or something like that, but sometimes you'll get two a week or it's oh it's incredible. You know, most most of the time we, we get them before they lose anything financially, but sometimes the people have lost money. I've had a lot of people in tears when I get there.
5: Justin says that the banks are critical in the fight against cybercrime and thinks that in small regional towns like his, branch closures have exacerbated the vulnerability to scams. Especially for elderly people.
3: It's 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 hard now. It's really hard because all the banks are closing down the regional branches and that was the first point of contact for these people that have been scammed. You know, there was like three banks in Port Ferry that closed in the last, you know, two years and two closed within a month of each other. And, you know, you always go to the bank first, you know, to see a real person. And now you can't necessarily see a person and you've got to wait on hold for, you know, Two hours or something like that, and then you don't even know if you if you don't trust anyone on on the other side of the line because they could be a scammer as well.
5: So it's Justin who gets the calls
3: most of the time. They've sort of twigged on that it's not right, you know. Um, they've called me, you know. They think, oh damn, I've, you know, I've stuffed up, and they'd, they'd say, oh, I was talking to a nice man from the NBN. He's going to give me a discount because um, because we've got bad MBN or something like that, and um, he needed to go into my bank account to uh, put the money in the account, you know. And and you think why would why would they even do that? But um, they're they're actors. They're like they're really convincing, um, and they'll always say they're from MBN or telstra or Amazon or something that you've heard of before. Like they they you know, behind a big corporation or something like that.
5: Other times, Justin has helped scam victims who are both mentally and physically traumatised from the crime.
3: You know, it it destroys lives. And I've seen, you know, people have really bad health episodes because of it.
5: Can you share more about that?
3: Yeah, well, I had a person and she got rang up by, you know, a scammer and, um, and the person got really abusive towards her and um she had a heart attack while she was on the call you know and she's she's in her 80s and then her husband came in and you know called the ambulance and everything like that and I was I was talking to her you know a week later um and she just come out of hospital and the guy was just completely abusing her and then he got another person to come on and you know and tell her she's stupid and she's got to it's gonna you know ruin her life and everything and and she hasn't been the same ever since you know like she's just really nervous and like she was really happy go lucky and a lovely, lovely person, and that. And, you know, I've been to see her about three times since, and, you know, she's definitely deteriorated. You know, it's really, really sad.
5: So I've just popped out to take some photos of Justin down in Port Ferry, and um, he's just told me that he got another call about scams today. What sort of a call did you get?
3: So I had a, a person that was in great distress, and he had been to the bank. Um, And they told him to get someone out to um, clean his computer. And um, I believe he's lost a lot of money. Like someone rang him up, said they were from a telecommunications company. They needed to give him a refund for his uh, internet was going slow. So then he let them onto his bank account because they needed to get into the bank account to transfer the funds into it. And then they also um, needed um, his phone. Um, so he downloaded software on the computer and on the phone and that was um, I believe it was any desk because they had the controller over the phone and over the computer they could use to get past the um, third party authentication.
5: Uh, do you have an indication of about how old this gent is?
3: Um, he's in his se- 70s. So he thinks um,
5: he's lost what yeah. tens of
3: thousands. Yeah, yeah, I don't exactly know the amount, but I know it's it's a lot. And they've taken out um, increments of less than seven thousand each time, about five minutes apart. And yeah, so it's.
5: Have any of your clients ever called the police?
3: Yeah, yeah, they have. Um, it's sort of it's a hard one because it's so big, and you know, like the local Wannabe Police or Port Ferry Police. It's just not in their scope, you know. Like they, they can say, okay, you know, we can go through, you know, scam watch or you know those websites and you report a scam and everything, but really they they can't do much, you know. It's just you know the banks, the 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 main people that can help.
5: Justin says that he wishes the banks would do more to protect their most vulnerable clients. Just things like holding large transactions for a while to prevent the money being lost to scammers or taking note if there's several large transactions in a row going to an overseas account. But in the meantime, he's doing what he can locally, including educating his computer clients about how to avoid scammers. We popped out to Port Ferry to meet Barb and Keith Millard, who have been his clients for many years and have become friends. I click on the address and if it comes up gobbledygook sort of thing and that,
3: or if it looks so legit and I'm still nervous about it, I forward it to Justin and say, is this dodgy or not? And he gets straight back to me, yes, don't open it, just delete.
5: (laughs) (laughs) So he might have prevented you from falling into the trap of, you know, being scammed? Oh,
3: yes, definitely. Yes, Mm. he's opened our eyes to everything. We question everything now when it comes, even, you know, bank runs or Telstra, anything.
1: We double-check everything before we open. And that was Rosie speaking to... Emily Bisland, about her experience with scammers. And finally, we're going to head to North East Victoria this time, where novice farmers are getting the chance to learn hands on skills. The Ladies in Livestock course is targeting women with little to no farming experience and covers everything from marking calves, fixing fences, soil testing, and even how to buy and sell at the sale yards. Our reporter, Annie Brown, went along for lesson one, which was lamb marking.
2: Good Put it on, first and then on a farm
1: in Warrumbane, just outside of Benalla,
0: a group of nine women are marking lambs for the first time. It's part of a new group in the northeast of Victoria called Ladies in Livestock, and it's run by cattle farmer Jackie Loughlin.
2: Used to be a farm consultant. And I now have stud Murray Grey cattle, which I love. (laughs) And for a long time, ten years ago, I had this idea of, uh, in talking to younger girls, they wanted the practical skills. If they bought land, they could actually feel confident in going and buying sheep, handling lambs or calves, fixing a fence, and... It's taken a long time to come to fruition, but then I thought, well, bite the bullet and do it. And the idea was for women to come out in an environment that wasn't under pressure, um, which sometimes it is with men. They get, they're in a hurry to do things and, and often they lose their cool with their wives and their girlfriends. <laughs> so this was to provide an environment where they could relax and learn.
0: You said this is something that you've wanted to do for a long time. Mm.
2: Where did you first get the idea from this? What was this inspired from? Just talking at conferences with young girls and older girls. One of the older ladies, she wanted to keep her farm. And because she'd been the housewife, the housekeeper, the children's, you know, raiser, she didn't know how the farm worked. And her husband died and the children talked her into selling the farm because she didn't know about it and she said i wish i'd met you years ago because i would have then learned how to run the farm i could stay there and she wanted to stay there but in the end sold it so that sort of helped me think along those lines as well there's women here that single women and married women so it covers anyone and everyone (laughs) how did you get into farming jackie family dairy farm when I was young and I loved it. I spent every weekend down on the farm. I worked for years and years and years with other vocations and at 40 I went back to farming and I thought I should have done this when I was 20.
0: (laughs) Cheryl and her husband retired to Ruffy to take up farming. They've started with just a small herd of belted Galloway. This is the first time she's ever been near a sheep. My husband is very much a perfectionist and no farming background. So I found I was really relying on his expertise. Although I was doing lots of reading, I wasn't hands-on. And we're in our 60s and I want to be able to really participate equally in the farm. And this was just a beautiful opportunity to learn with other women in a safe environment, to get my confidence up and just just live the life I want to leave as an active person on the land as I get older. Janine Clayton? And we've got 300-odd acres in a place called Moglin just north of Euroa. We run Black Angus, and I've just started breeding. So this will be our third year breeding. Uh, it's been a new experience because we weren't farmers. So over the last seven years, we've developed lots of new skills. How are you going working with sheep? Is this a new experience for you? They're silly animals. <laughs> um, <laughs> they're smaller and easier to handle. They are a little bit erratic. But, um, yeah, different. I didn't really know what to expect. What's it like being in a a group of just women, learning these skills? It's really good. I think uh, women empower women. It's a softer approach than having men tell you this is how it's done. Not bagging out the men. But I think women tend to talk and gleam off each other uh, better than just having a full-on instruction from a guy who's perhaps been doing it for years. Is there one thing in particular you're hoping to learn from this group? I want to become confident in doing things um, to help out on the farm instead of just doing all the book work. I already work in the yards, but just having that confidence in knowing what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and handling things like the tag guns and...
1: Vaccines. Those sheep are pretty loud, aren't they? Janine Clayton speaking there to our reporter Annie Brown, and that is Australia-wide for this Monday. I hope you're having a lovely evening. Cheerio.
2: ABC Listen.